We have uh, spent a few weeks on the first chapter of Ruth, and uh, we are finally moving on to the second chapter. We're going to look at the whole second chapter today. Um, I'm going to likely return to it next week and uh, look at a few details. But uh, if you haven't been with us the past few weeks, uh, I'll just remind you of the story so far. Um, Naomi is an Israelite woman who was married to Elimelech, and and she had two sons, and and they moved uh, out of Israel to Moab because there was a famine. And while they were in Moab... Um, the, her husband died and she was left a widow. And then her sons died and she was left heartbroken, utterly heartbroken and vulnerable. And, and she was left only with her daughters-in-law uh, who were Moabite women. Um, and she decided to return to Israel many years later because she heard that there was food in Israel. And, and she, she convinced one of the daughters, Orpah, to go back to Moab. But Ruth, she couldn't convince her, convince her to do that. Ruth was like, what you need right now is me. You need someone to stick with you no matter what. And, and Ruth just made this incredible declaration of faithfulness and commitment and loyal love to, to care for Naomi and to be with her as they go back to Israel. And, and, and the, the end of chapter one, we, we're left with this cliffhanger. You know, what is going to happen to these two women, these two vulnerable, vulnerable women? What is going to happen? As, as we think about this being Mother's Day, you know, Naomi, a mom, um, who's lost, lost her sons, and yet now has this daughter-in-law. And there's all sorts of questions about, are they going to be okay? What's going to happen to them? Will God provide? This is what happens next. Listen to God's word. I'm going to read the whole chapter, chapter 2. Um, so let's just uh, listen to what God has to say as I read. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when they are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants." And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. 
So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her, and also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it to her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth, the Moabite, said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with, this young, with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us this morning as we look at this passage, as we look at this chapter from Ruth, and, and that you would open our eyes. We desperately need your spirit to work in us to see what you want us to see here, that we would be strengthened and encouraged, that we would see you more clearly that we would be moved to a deeper faith and a, a life that has changed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tomorrow was a massive question mark for me. I remember it really clearly. I was seven years old, and I had spent almost the, 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 my entire life living at the end of a cul-de-sac in Southern California. And my dad had learned that he was going to be transferred, and he, we, he took a, to, a new job in New Jersey, all the way across the country. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I, I, the, the, just looking out the window, of, I was, as I sat in the back seat of our old, you know, brown station wagon, you know, the kind in the 70s with the wood paneling on the side. I, I, as we drove up our street, I remember watching those familiar houses pass by one after the other, you know, wondering... What does tomorrow hold? Am I going to be okay? What's going to happen? You know, the, 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 tomorrow was full of all sorts of question marks, of uncertainty. And there are so many times in life when we can feel like tomorrow is a giant question mark or full of question marks. Are we going to be okay? Are we going to have enough? If you're a Christian, you might be asking yourself, even subconsciously at least, is God going to come through? Is God going to provide for me? I mean, it's, it's Mother's Day, and, and who more than anyone else is always thinking about the question marks in life than moms, as they think especially about their family and about their kids, constantly thinking about, you know, is everybody going to be okay? Is everybody going to have enough? I'm guessing that if you're a mom today that you have many question marks that you're concerned about. Is God going to provide for us? But maybe you are uh, a woman today, and today is painful and heartbreaking because you've lost children, and you're wondering if you're going to be okay. 
If you're, gonna, you're wondering if you're going to be able to make it, if you're going to be able to have what it takes to keep going. Or maybe you uh, have always wanted children, and today is a hard day because it just reminds you of this kind of emptiness um, that you long to be filled, and you're wondering, is God ever going to fill that? Is it God ever going to provide? There's question marks there. There's all sorts of other question marks that we deal with, though, right? I mean, those of us who have just heard a new diagnosis of a medical condition we have, and and we're wondering how our life's going to change and how we're going to deal with it. How are we going to be okay? Is God going to provide? Or you're looking towards some kind of medical procedure or surgery that you have coming up, and you're wondering, are you going to be okay? Is God going to provide? Or maybe you're a student. You're a student, and you have an assignment that you are stressed out about. I remember when I was in sixth grade, and I had this public speaking assignment, and I was so like, I hated talking in front of people, and I, I knew I was going to fail, and I was just, like, I remember not being able to sleep the night before, just wondering, am I going to make it through tomorrow? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? Or maybe you're, you're, you have a, a uncertainties about your future, where you're going to live, what you're going to do, what, what job you're going to have. Am I going to be okay? Is God going to provide? I mean, or maybe it's a job situation that is really stressful. You have this project that you're working on at work and and you don't know if you're going to have enough to get it done. You're wondering if you're going to be okay there this week. I think for all of us, our, our future has question marks in it. All sorts of question marks. If we spend time thinking about it, we can just think of more question marks of how are we we going to have enough? Are we going to be okay? Is God going to provide? If we believe in God, and subconsciously at least, we wonder if if God's going to provide for us. And I think that is the, absolutely the situation that Naomi and Ruth found themselves in at the beginning beginning of chapter two, right? Are we going to be okay as we come back into Bethlehem? Especially Ruth, this Moabite woman that nobody really cares about, that might be mistreated. Am I going to be okay? And as you, as you read this chapter, what you see from this, this beginning kind of question mark to the end, what you see is God providing. At the very end of the passage, what do we see? That, that, that God has provided food for them. That she's, that God has provided a way for Ruth to be able to, to glean and feel in the fields during the barley and the wheat harvest. And they have food to eat. God has provided And what I want to do this morning is just look at the way that God provides. Three ways that God provides in this passage. As we think about all these different question marks, let me me just encourage you right now. Take a second and think. What are the question marks in your life right now about tomorrow? What are those things where you're, those areas of your life, maybe it's family, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's physical things that you're not sure if you're going to have. What are those question marks for you? And as you think about those, I just want to point out these three things about how God provides here, okay? To give us encouragement and strength in the midst of the question marks that face us, okay? So first of all, God's provision is in the random details. I put random in quotation marks for a reason. What we see in this chapter is two women, right, at the beginning in desperate circumstances, very vulnerable, and at the end, they seem to have provision. They seem to be provided for, right? They have a source of food, as Ruth is able to glean, as I mentioned, throughout the harvest. One of the things that the author is regularly doing in this book is reminding us that 
as we watch the people, as they interact, as they do these things, God is always behind the scenes, working, doing things, orchestrating things, using the details to provide, using these simply, seemingly random details to provide for Ruth and Naomi. And one of the places you see it, I'll just point it out, is in verse 3 and 4. Where, where Ruth decides to go out and glean, right? And so, so in verse 3 it says, So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And then it says this line. It says, And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. She just happened to come to the field belonging to Boaz. Actually, in the, in the Hebrew, the way that it says it, is it uses this word that's, uh, that, that is translated as chance twice. So you could almost say, She chanced to chance upon the field that belonged to Boaz. And then verse 4 begins, And behold, what do you know? Boaz strolls up, right? And, you know, all these, all these word choices that the author makes, they're, they're saying, no, this isn't chance. This isn't random. She didn't just happen to come on the field. God arranged it. He arranged this meeting for her to meet this guy that was, God, he was going to use to provide for her. God arranged the details. He doesn't do random. That's a, a quote from a, a Jason Bourne movie, the second Jason Bourne movie um, about the uh, super, the, this, you know, this, this incredible assassin, right? International assassin who's lost his memory. He's trying to figure out who he is, and then all the government is out to try to get him because they, he's kind of a, a loose end for them. And, and there's one point where they're trying to track him, and they can't figure out, like, why is he going these places? Why is he doing this thing? And then somebody says, oh, it might just be random. He might just be doing this randomly, you know? And the, this girl, Nikki Parsons, in the room, and she knows him. And she knows the program. She's like, they don't do random. Everything they do has a purpose, everything they do has a reason. And that's, that could be said absolutely of God. He doesn't do random. He doesn't do random in your life. All of the details of your life, God is using. If, if you, particularly, if you have trusted in him, I'll remind you of Romans 8, 28. For those who love God and who have been called according to his purpose, he uses all things, he works all things together for our good. He doesn't do random. Every little detail of your life God is using and is able to use to provide for what you need to become what he created you to be. He doesn't do random. And that's what I want to point out. It's simply this. God is trying to tell us that there's no chance when it comes to his provision. He can use any detail, no matter how random it might seem to us, to provide for you. Whether it's an unexpected meeting with a person or a, an unexpected trip to the grocery store that, that you weren't planning on or, or an inconvenience that pops up. God is able to use all those things to provide for you and what you need. So God's provision is in the random details. Okay, okay secondly, God's provision is people-based. It's people-based. How does God meet the needs of Naomi and Ruth? He uses people. He uses people to provide for their needs. Where do you see that here? Well, first of all, the reason that Ruth goes out to glean is because God has already given Israel laws that provide for those who are most vulnerable, people like the widow or the foreigner, those who can't provide for themselves. God has, has put into the law of Israel the fact that they, they have to provide for a way for, for people who don't have a way of, of getting food, who don't have land, to walk behind the harvesters 
and to pick up what they drop, what they, what they, don't, what they miss. And even more than that, they, God instructs them in his law that the farmers can't uh, harvest around the edges of their property to give those people more chance to get food, to come and harvest themselves. And so God builds into his law to say, I'm going to use you, I'm going to use people to provide for others, to provide for those who are vulnerable, to provide for those who aren't in a place to provide for themselves. And so the very fact that Ruth is able to go out and glean points to the fact that God wants to use people to provide for Ruth and Naomi. But even going beyond that, we finished chapter one with Ruth and Naomi, you know, in this, with this big question mark ahead of them. And then chapter, how does chapter two begin? Chapter two begins this way, verse one. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, his, whose name was Boaz. Just seemingly out of the blue, Chapter two begins with this introduction of this guy and then just kind of moves on with the story. Why else do we mention Boaz except that the author wants us to keep our eyes out to, to look for how Boaz is going to enter the story because this, again, is the man that God is going to work through to provide for, for Ruth, to protect Ruth, to care for Ruth and Naomi to give them food. God uses Boaz, and that's the way it is. God uses people to care for people. He uses people to care for people. So it's important for us to, to remember that as we think about the needs in our lives, as we think about the question marks in our lives, as we pray, God, are you listening? Are you going to provide for me? It's very likely that the way that God wants to provide is through the people he, that he's already placed in your life. And so you need to let them help you. You need to, to be willing to lean on them. You need to be willing to let them in and know what your needs are. One of the reasons that we, we don't find ourselves able to be helped by people is because we, we kind of keep our guard up and don't let people know our needs. We need to let people in. We need to show people how we are vulnerable to give them the chance to help us. But just as importantly as that, if we know that God uses people to help people, to provide for people, is we need to let others help us, but we also need to be very aware of the fact that, you know the needs of the people around us? God very likely wants to use you to provide for them. He wants to use you to care for them. He wants to use you to be present in their lives. He wants to use you to, to help them, maybe with your resources, maybe with your time, to be praying for them. As I said, to just be present with them. You need to be aware of the people around you and their needs because very likely, the very likely scenario is that God wants to use you. He's not just going to supernaturally provide for them. He wants to use you to do it. I, I had to share this. Uh, Nancy Baza, uh, I was talking with Nancy Baza this past week, and she shared this with me. I asked her permission if I could share it, share it with you guys um, because she's not really comfortable coming up and sharing it with you herself, but the, the, I found this incredibly encouraging. Uh, she, she went to the gas station a while ago, and uh, as she was at the gas station, forgive me, Nancy, if I get any of the details wrong, but she, there, there was this woman who was pumping her gas, and uh, she was the attendant at the gas station, and and as many people are want to do, as, as they interact with Nancy or near Nancy, they start interacting with Kismet. 
And so the attendant is talking to Kismet and interacting with, with, with Kismet. And then, then Nancy starts talking to her. And in talking to her, she finds out, this, this woman opens up, up to Nancy and says that her, her mom has been in the hospital in a coma because of COVID for a month. And as Nancy is talking to her, she just has this, you know, sense that, that maybe she should offer to pray for her right then. And that's, she, she would say, you know, this is very unlike me. I, you know, I wouldn't normally do this. But, but she, she then says, well, do you want me to pray for you? And she prays for her. She does this bold thing of just praying for this stranger. And then she goes on her way. And, and then sometime later, she goes back to that gas station and she sees her again. And she starts talking to her and she finds out that her mother has actually recovered from the coma. And, and um, this is great news, you know. And she's thankful, but she's still facing some serious health issues. And, and Nancy says, well, you want me to pray for you again? I mean, that, that's, that's amazing um, an amazing example of, of just this small thing. Uh, it's, it's a big thing to, you know, actually boldly offer to pray for a, a person that you've just met and talked with. But, but that's just, I think, a, a really good example of how God used Nancy, a person, to demonstrate his care for this woman. That's what God wants to do. He, he uses people to provide for people. So be ready, be on your toes, be aware that God wants to use you. The last thing I want to show and point out here is that God's provision is sufficient. And when I say God's provision is sufficient, the reality is that that's, that's kind of an understatement. <laughs> As you look at this passage, I love the way this passage progresses. Um, it's incredible. So Ruth goes to the field, right? She starts gleaning in the field. Boaz shows up. He notices her. He asks who she is. He realizes that she's, you know, the daughter-in-law of this relative of Naomi. And so he gives her special treatment, right? He says, come, eat with my reapers. And then he, and then he gives her food. He makes sure she has enough food until she's satisfied. He makes, her, he makes sure she has enough, so much food that she, she's satisfied and she has leftovers. So after she eats with, her, with, with his reapers and everything, she ends up walking away with a doggy bag, right, of leftovers, but not only that, he gives her special treatment and he tells his, his reapers, you know, watch out for her, protect her, don't make sure nobody touches her. And he says, actually, make sure as, as she's following you, just, you know, kind of like, you know, just drop some stuff behind you so that she, so she makes sure she gets some. And, and it's, it's incredible how he, he gives her special treatment to, to, to make sure she has enough, right? And, and the, the, the part that I love is, is down here in 17. You don't, you don't necessarily realize it because of the difference in, you know, culture and everything and, and the, the difference in, in measurements and stuff like that. Verse 17 says this. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Then she took that ephah of barley, and she, and she took it up and went into the city back to Naomi. So I want you to try to put yourself in Naomi's place as she looks out and sees Ruth coming up the road with her ephah of barley. And don't forget her doggy bag. <laughs> Do you know how much an ephah is? It, it, different people measure it different ways. We're not sure exactly how much it was, but it was at least 30 pounds. It was possibly 50 pounds. So can you imagine Ruth walking up the road with 30 pounds of, of, of barley, maybe 50 pounds of barley. Have you carried a 50-pound bag of something? That's heavy. And you imagine Ruth has walked a distance with this bag 
or, you know, this, this 30 to 50 pound, you know, weight of, of, of barley and trying to hold on to her leftovers from lunch. And Naomi sees her coming, weighted down by God's provision. And so, of course, she naturally, how does she respond? Where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And this is, I, 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 if, if you remember nothing else about this passage, I want, you to, I want you to picture this in your mind, this picture of Ruth, hardly able to carry what God has given her. That's how God provides. That's how God provides. He doesn't just have a small supply of grace that he needs to be careful about rationing out to us. This picture of Ruth staggering as she comes home to to carry God's provision is here to help us see that God's provision is and always will be enough. It's sufficient. As you think about all those question marks that I mentioned before, God's provision will be enough. Have no doubts about it. So as you think about the question marks in your life, whether it's tomorrow or the coming year, whether it's a relational need, a practical need, know know this, know that God provides. He provides in the details through random things, things that seem random. He's going to provide through people and he's going to provide so that you are satisfied with, with, with enough. He will provide. If, if you don't feel like it's been enough, then, then you just need to keep waiting. He will provide. He will provide, and it will be enough. But also know that if you hope for this provision, there's one requirement. There's one single requirement. And you need to do what, what Boaz notice, notices that Ruth has done in verse, verse 12. Right? What does he say to her in verse 12? He says, The Lord repay you for what you've done, and the full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. If you want God to provide for you, you need to run to him and huddle under his wings. You need to look to him. You need to count on him to protect you and to provide for you in everything. You need to count on him to shelter you and give you what you need. Because this, in and of itself, this this kind of huddling under God's protective wings, his provision, his shelter, this is the posture of one who has believed the gospel. This is the gospel posture, huddling under the wings of God. Because the reality is, out of all of those question marks that we face in our lives, there is one question mark that, that should loom larger than any of them. And the question mark is this. It's, it's at the end of the question that says, could God truly love me and care about me when he knows everything about me? Could God truly love me? Could God truly want to provide for me, after I've ignored him, taken him for granted, after I've tried to live my life for myself. That's, that's the big question mark that dwarfs all of the others. But don't you see? He has given us the answer already. He has provided 
the answer for that question already. He's provided how? Through a person. Through the person of Jesus. He's provided through a man and and coming into our world and living as a man and, 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 and dying on the cross. What, what, more, what, is, what is a more random event in history than a, a Hebrew rabbi dying in some remote corner of the world 2,000 years ago? From many people's perspective, that's incredibly random. And yet, that is the moment that God has used to provide a way for us to be forgiven for our sin, to to pull us to himself and to say, I am never going to leave you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to provide for you. And if you have huddled there at the cross and received God's provision for you in Christ, then there is no limit to, to, to your experience of his grace There's no limit to the grace that he's going to pour out upon you, that he's already poured out upon you. Because that is ultimately the picture of Ruth kind of staggering along with the provision of of God's grace with this barley. That is a great picture of how we should all be living our lives, those who have trusted in Jesus, that that we are people who are staggering, staggering around because we are increasingly aware of how heavy God's grace is, of how abundant God's grace is, of how sufficient God's grace is. So count on it in the midst of the questions today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. Uh, We thank you for the grace that you display here in this passage in Ruth. We thank you for the way that it gives us such a picture of how you want to provide for each and every one of us. Help us to take shelter under the shadow of your wings under the shadow of the cross. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In response to God's word, let's take a moment to confess our sin, our need for God's grace, so that we might apprehend his provision, so that we might understand his provision, so that we might experience his provision, the the weight of it, of what he's done for us. We'll pray the prayer that's printed in your order of worship, if you have that in front of you, or it's on the screen. Let's pray together. Oh, Father... Every part of my life, my reason, my body, my emotions, my will, is a snare to me. I can hardly open my eyes without envying those above me or despising those below me. I covet the honor and riches of the mighty, and I am proud and unmerciful to the rags of the needy. If I behold beauty, is a temptation to lust. If I see deformity, it stirs up loathing and disdain. How easily to slander cruel jokes and lewd speech creep out from my heart. You know that all these are snares to me because of my corruption and that my greatest snare is myself. I confess that my apprehensions of you are dull, my thoughts shallow, my affections cold. Keep me mindful of my fallen state apart from Christ, but let me never forget my heavenly title in Christ, that I am forgiven loved and accepted, or that his grace can deal with every sin through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, we now take a moment to confess our sin in the privacy of our own hearts.
Father, we thank you for the sufficiency of your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 10, 21 to 22 says this, Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's continue 